You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our weekly AIB Market Update on Tuesday the 17th of November 2020. I'm Jane Kavner from our Corporate Treasury team and I am joined this week by AIB's Chief Economist, Oliver Mangan. To look back in a busy week that saw news of a vaccine break and a potentially volatile week ahead as time really is beginning to run out for an agreement to be reached between the EU and the UK. Good morning, Ollie. Good morning. Ollie, turning our attention to Brexit first, the next seven to ten days are absolutely crucial with both sides still looking to the other to move into the most contentious issues of fishing and fair competition. What can we expect this week? Well, as you say, it's now or never in terms of the UK-EU trade negotiations. We've been dancing around the key issues for the past six months. In fairness, the negotiators have a legal text ready. I mean, they've been working hard on that. But the two key issues remain to be resolved, which is around a level playing field in regard to trade, in particular in regard to state aid rules, and a dispute resolution mechanism for that. And then secondly, around what access EU fishermen would have to UK waters going forward. And, you know, at the start of this week, we've seen the resumption of the talks in Brussels, which is good. They're continuing to talk. But both sides continue to outline their positions and don't seem to have much appetite for moving. On the UK side, we've Boris Johnson saying that the UK is prepared for a deal or no deal and will thrive on either outcome. Now, this may still be the tough talking before the compromises are made. And I think if we, if we are going to get a trade deal, you know, compromise will have to come from both sides. And probably at a political level, I would say, because some of these are quite sensitive political issues, especially in regard to fishing rights. Now, if you look at sterling, the start of the week is still quite solid. The euro is just below 90p. Sterling has made ground very slowly, but made ground over the last month or two. The euro is up around 92, 92.5p. It's fallen back below 90. So I think the markets are priced in for a trade deal. But I say we will need to see movement on both sides if we were to get a trade deal signed off in the next week. And really, we are running out of time. I mean, the, the expectation is that trade deal has to be concluded within the next week to allow sufficient time for it to be ratified by the UK Parliament, the European Parliament and various governments across Europe before Christmas or before year end. The transition period expires at the end of December. And if we don't have a trade deal in place and signed off, and legislated for by that stage, the UK moves to trading with the EU under world trade rules, which involves tariffs, etc. Very disruptive to trade. Thanks, Ali. It's true. Nothing is agreed until everything is agreed, really. And the UK continue to focus on taking back control. Ali, just moving on to sterling, you alluded to it there a moment ago. I mean, it really has been very, very resilient in the face of all this. It dipped below 89p last week to, to key resistance at 88.66. What can we expect in the short and medium term? Well, I think we're going to see Sterling's future resolved one way or the other within the next week. Our view remains, uh, you know, Sterling, as I said, has strengthened over the last couple of months in expectation that a trade will be negotiated. I mean, we know how weak the European economy is. We know how very weak the UK economy is. And the view of markets is that having no trade deal would you know, threaten the recovery, particularly in the UK economy during the course of 2021. So as a result, sterling has been slowly moving higher in, in anticipation of a trade deal. Our view is that there's far more downside to sterling than upside from present levels. If we do get a trade deal, well, then sterling may appreciate somewhat further. We could see the euro fall back to, let's say, 87p or something on that sort of level. If we don't get a trade deal, well, it could be like what happened at the time of the Brexit referendum, when the markets anticipated that the UK would vote to remain the EU, and it didn't, and sterling fell very, very sharply. 
I suppose listeners should be aware that Sterling in the past, even earlier on this year when the COVID crisis broke, has the capacity to fall very sharply. And by sharply, I mean maybe 10% in a very short space of time. I mean, it happened during the financial crisis back in 2009. It happened in the aftermath of the referendum result in 2016. And we saw it earlier on this year when the COVID crisis struck. So if there isn't a trade deal agreed and we're heading towards no trade deal, tariffs, great disruption to trade, further headwinds, particularly for the UK economy and indeed the Irish economy next year, well then sterling can be expected to suffer in those circumstances. And we may even see talk re-emerge again about negative interest rates in the UK, which will be negative for the currency as well. So we're coming to a moment of truth for sterling, I think, in the next seven days. And the outcome of the trade talks will decide the direction which sterling takes, not just in the next week or two, but probably for the next couple of years. Thanks, Ali. Just one more question. That's so 87p in the event we do see a trade deal happening. And in the event that we don't, we're talking 93p. Would you rule out parity? You wouldn't rule out parity. I don't think 93p will hold. I don't think 95p will hold. I think we'll see a very sharp fall in sterling. And it's not beyond the bounds of possibility. As I said I've mentioned before, sterling has fallen by around 10% at moments of crisis. It's currently around 90p against the euro. So a 10% fall takes it towards parity in those sort of circumstances. Thanks, Ali. Something for all our customers to keep an eye on. Turning our attention now to the pandemic, we received welcome news in a vaccine last week. And it's fair to say the immediate reaction was incredibly positive with risk on tone setting the pace. Absolutely. Stock markets rallied very, very strongly. Shares in sectors that had been, I suppose, hammered by the pandemic. And you think of the, the airlines, the hotels, even the banks recovered strongly last week. It is very good news on the vaccine and that it was so successful in the trials. I think what it opens up the possibility is for a sustained recovery in activity, maybe to take root around the middle of next year. It's very good news in terms of being a successful vaccine, but the logistics are challenging here. I mean, it is going to probably take until the middle of next year before we see it rolled out on a broad basis and to the extent that maybe restrictions can be relaxed. Now, other companies are trying vaccines as well, and we may get results from them over the next couple of weeks. If there were similar results to what we've seen with the Pfizer vaccine, well, that would be very positive in terms of an indication that, yes, we have a vaccine, a vaccine that works, and the more suppliers are in the market, the quicker they can get it out. Now, notwithstanding that, I think the next six months, or certainly this winter, are going to be very, very challenging. We see skyrocketing numbers in terms of new cases in the States. We've seen very high numbers across Europe. We've seen Europe going back into lockdown, be it Ireland, be it the UK, be it Germany, be it Belgium, France, wherever. So, you know, we're facing a double dip recession here in Europe this year where the economy contracted very sharply in the first half of the year. We had a rebound in the third quarter, but we're likely to see contracting output again in the fourth quarter and rising unemployment, etc. And given the prevalence of the virus at the present time, and it is proving very persistent, notwithstanding that a vaccine is becoming available, it will take quite some time for that to roll out. The likelihood is that the restrictions will remain in place well into the early part of next year. So it is going to be a very difficult winter for businesses, for the economy. There is light at the end of the tunnel, and I say the We'll be looking to other companies to report on their trials and how successful they are. So I think the key here is that 
businesses, the labour market, the economy continues to be supported over the next four to six months. It is going to be a very challenging period for us. But beyond that, there is hope that certainly around the middle of next year that we will see a sustained and robust recovery take root in the world economy, extend into 2022 and 2023. And I think that's what stock markets are looking at. I mean, they realise we're into a double-dip recession, very challenging near-term conditions, but stock markets discount offence down the road and they are hopeful that you know successful vaccine or successful vaccines will lay the foundations for a strong recovery as we did see a very strong rebound in the third quarter much stronger than had been anticipated we've seen a very big rise in private sector savings household savings there is pent-up demand there and then we're seeing very accommodative monetary and fiscal policy and it's important that that remains in place and given what we're facing this winter additional fiscal supports are required we see that in the uk we hope to see a package of supports in the us but i also think central banks may take further action i mean notwithstanding the news on the vaccine the likelihood is that the ecb will go ahead and loosen policy further in December through additional quantitative easing and liquidity measures. And they will be required. We're not out of the woods here. This is going to be a very difficult winter and ongoing supports are required and absolutely critical. Thanks, Ari. It sounds like a lot has been done, but there's still a bit more to do. But cautious optimism is out there. Moving our attention to the dollar itself, then, it strengthened in line with the equity markets in the immediate aftermath, but lost a little bit of ground since... What's your outlook in the near term? We look at the medium term a little bit later, but in the near term, what would be your outlook? Well, I think, as I said, the dollar moved a bit around a bit last week, but the reality is, let's take it against the euro, the dollar has been in a very narrow range since the middle of the year. It's traded between 116 and 120 against the euro, and a lot of that trade has been even in a narrow range of 117 to 119. And the movements last week were within that range. I mean, it's still within that 117 to 119 range. So I think near term, given the difficulties facing economies, etc., the dollar is a safe haven currency. It is at elevated levels, but I think the ongoing difficult economic conditions, the challenges being posed by COVID for, to businesses, etc., will give the dollar some support in the near term, keeping at these certain levels. Turning to next year, and particularly as the year progresses, one of the key supports of the dollar, well, those have been two key supports. One has been a safe haven currency, and you know this has been a very, very difficult year for the world economy, and that has helped underpin the dollar. And secondly, in recent years, it's benefited from rates in the US being much higher than elsewhere. Well, that positive interest rate differential is gone now. You know, US rates have been cut to virtually zero, and not only that, the Federal Reserve has indicated that it will keep these rates at zero, even in the midst of a very strong recovery in economic activity. So. If we do see more positive news of vaccines, and as let's say quarter two, we head towards mid-year, and we see the signs of a sustained and robust recovery in economic activity, with a vaccine being rolled out, then the dollar could come under pressure. As it's been at very elevated levels over the last five years, but risk appetite will return to markets where we see a strong recovery in economic activity, lessening the attractiveness of the dollar. And also, it won't have that attraction in terms of much higher interest rates than elsewhere. And thirdly, remember, the dollar has been at very high levels for the last four or five years. So I think medium term, the downside risks are building for the dollar from its current elevated levels. And I think a combination of very strong global growth, if that's what we get, 
reduced or maybe much more risk appetite in markets and an appetite for investors to move outside the, the normal safe haven markets that would boost their currencies and in circumstances where there isn't really an advantage in terms of holding dollar assets that that could see the US currency lose ground next year and another thing to bear in mind it's generally expected that under a Biden administration, Biden presidency, that the U.S. will continue to run a large budget deficit. Now, the budget deficit in the U.S. is far, far higher than elsewhere. It's around 16% of GDP. Only the U.K. is around those sort of levels. In the Eurozone, it's around 8 to 9% of GDP. And the U.S. has this large balance of payments deficit as well. Those twin deficits could weigh on the currency next year again in circumstances where U.S. rates are at zero. So there are medium-term factors building which point to downside risks for the dollar in 2021 and 2022. Thanks, Ali. So would the high view being medium term then that it would break 120? I think it has only broken 121 since 2014. Correct. It break 120 into the medium longer term? Two critical levels are 120. The euro has only moved above 120 once since 2014, and that was only for a short period of time. Actually, the euro got to that level in September, but wasn't able to breach it. So I think that's going to be a strong level to overcome. And if it goes through 120, the next major resistance level for the euro will be 125. So they're the two levels we have, we're looking at next year in terms of where the euro could rise to and breach. Ali, many thanks again for the update. Much appreciated. And a big thanks to all our customers and listeners for joining us on this week's podcast. To stay up to date with latest market developments, please subscribe to AIB's Market Talk on the podcast apps for iOS or Android. And for those customers impacted by the pandemic, you can find details of AIB support packages at aib.ie forward slash COVID-19. Stay safe. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.